Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All the praise belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who reaches into a human life and puts his presence into us and enables us to be a part of his great plan. And I'm honored to be here with you. Um, you can be seated. I say thank you to uh, Bishop and Sister Wright. Uh, they're, they are my friends and uh, always very kind. This church, in more ways than you know, you may not know, but has been uh, such a help, a strength uh, to us in D.C. from the very beginning. And before that, when we were in Lexington Park, uh, when we first came to this district, uh, uh, yes, it was this church that picked us up at the airport and brought us here. We Pastor uh, Bishop and Sister Wright uh, took my wife and I in. We stayed in their home, went and found a place to live in Lexington Park. That was about uh, 35 years ago. And, uh, and then those home missions meetings we had back in those days uh, were incredible. And uh, I'm forever grateful the kingdom of God has been blessed by this church, certainly in our lives and obviously in many, many lives. And uh, I, I can't say thank you enough. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be asked to stand in this pulpit. And, uh, and you know, I, it, sometimes I, I go some places and I, I feel the need to say things because that's what you do but that's not the case tonight i say these things because they are they are very true they 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 are they've been a reality in our life and uh again i say thank you thank you bishop and sister wright and thank you to this church for your concern for us and a lost world so i'm going to uh I'm going to take some scripture from there. I, you know, many other people here, I see that I love you. And I'm glad you're here. And I don't know if you came, if you come every Thursday night and I just happen to walk in the door. I'm thankful still that you're here. But if you came because I'm here, I really am glad you're here. So, amen. Everybody smile. I'm telling you, I think a Christian ought to be able to smile. I realize, you know, just... Bishop here talking about these needs and our youngest son in so many ways when I ought to at times be the teacher in my son's life he has been a teacher in my life and uh, not just his words but uh, his life and uh, last night I got a text from him they took the pastor of a church about a few months ago in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And it was the church that his wife actually got saved in. Whatever, how many years ago. 
But last night, a young couple they've been working with called him at 2.30 in the morning. And they had a month-old baby that died in that father's arms last night at 2.30. Nothing wrong with the baby. Healthy baby. Just, Just no answer for it. And my son called me broken, asking me, you know, what do you say? And I'd like to tell you I have an answer. But I, like Bishop Wright, I don't have an answer for all of those things. I'm just glad to tell you that whatever we go through, we have the promise of the Father. That's right. That lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I can say to my son, be there with that family. Love that family and assure them that, try to assure them that he's still with them. I I tell you, there's just things happen in life we don't have answers for. uh, The why. But trust Jesus, Jesus. How I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. Amen. 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 And, you know, when you think of it tonight, if you'll say a prayer, that family's name is Russell. And if you would just say a prayer for that couple tonight, I, I just, you know... Some things are your worst nightmare. And uh, just pray for them if you would. I I already heard the the bishop talking here. And it just seems like all around us, there are things that are happening. And they're not all good. Not always on a national or international level. Many times it's on a very personal family level that things are happening. But let them be the catalyst to draw us closer to Jesus. Let them be the, the fire that ignites within us that though hell may come against us, though the fire may come against us, though the flood may come against us, greater is He Hallelujah. that is within me All right. than He that is in the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I can't... I'm going to turn to the scripture and I'm going to do, try to do my best tonight. I have a theme that seems like my life anymore. Wherever I go, it's my theme. At home, it's my theme. And so I'm, I'm, it's still my theme here tonight. So if you have your Bibles and would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 9.22. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And then turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap 
also bountifully. And, I, you know, probably even this is a little different for me tonight, but I want to speak for a little while, and I really feel that way. It will be a little while, but I want to speak for a little while on principles of power evangelism. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to start with uh, what I believe the time we have entered into recently at our district conference, and I'm sure you here have heard our bishop's vision in his heart, the direction that God has given. But I tell you, I feel it impressed upon me as never before. I may have been and certainly have been honored to be used by God to see people come to Jesus Christ and be born again of the water and the spirit. In the last 45 years, it's been my sole purpose. It seems to be the driving force of my life. I, I don't know about all the things of, I'm, I'm not good. I thank God I have people around me that have good organization skills and talents and abilities. That's not my driving force. People and their condition spiritually move me. Move me as nothing else does. I, I believe that the church, the global church of Jesus Christ, I say this, it's more than I want it to be, just words somehow. I wish that I could make it sound from heaven tonight into the people's hearts, into your souls, that we are on the verge of the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. I, I am convinced that they will come drawn by the Spirit of God. I also believe that the church must be prepared, must be ready. The nets used within the scripture in the illustration of fishing, at one time they were told to cast their nets, but the nets began to break because apparently they had not prepared their nets for the harvest. I say that we are, if we will hear the voice of the spirit of the end time church, it will be telling us individually and collectively even tonight as a body. You never know who's going to walk through that door this week, even tonight. They may be the connection to literally thousands of people coming to the Lord. It's not just a matter of, uh, of us uh, counting numbers. It, it's something about the heart of God. I don't know how others, uh, I, uh, I, how others think. I don't know what everybody else, you know, how they think about things. I'll give you an example. Early this morning, I awakened and I was, I was, it was on my mind that I would be here, but I was thinking about, about people. 
about Jesus and his conversations about people. And the passage that came to my mind was the passage where there was a man who had died and he went to hell. And he cried out for someone to come, for Lazarus to come. And I'm sure there's theological reasons for every part of this scripture. I don't think it was random that he just picked out Lazarus. I think probably in that man's mind, he thought of the lowest person that he ever knew and said, maybe somehow you will let that, that person who didn't, in my estimation, didn't have much value, maybe you will let them slide by and bring just a touch of water and touch it to my tongue. But the reply was, that cannot happen. There is a great gulf. There is a great gap between where you are and where Lazarus is. It cannot happen. And then the man said this. He said, would you then please, and this was in my thoughts, was Jesus talking to me about people. This man said, would you send someone, would you send someone to tell my five brothers, don't, don't come to this place. Don't come to this place. Whatever you got to do, don't come to this place. Whatever it's going to cost you, be willing to pay the price. Whatever, however long you've got to pray, pray, but don't come to this place. Whatever choices you have to make, please, my brothers, make those choices so you don't come to this place. I feel that in Jesus' conversations with people, his heart, how many times do we read he was moved with compassion? He felt it's kind of like when my son told me about these folks, these young folks that I've never met. I heard my son weeping on the phone and I began to weep. I've never met them, but something in my heart saw a young couple and they lost less than 24 hours ago. That baby died in his, in the father's arms. And, and something inside of me and my wife, I, I told her we began to pray and we were broken because there is a spirit of compassion that needs to dwell in the body of Christ. What will move us to reach our world is not new methods. Oh, I'm all for, by all means, save some. But somehow there must be within us the ability to look upon someone, uh, to look into their eyes and to feel the touch of God. As Jesus felt when he passed by, he stopped the funeral procession one day and raised a, 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 
a widow's son from the dead because he was moved with compassion. He had been teaching to a group of maybe 20,000 people and they were hungry and they were tired and Jesus was moved with compassion and said, do we have anything here to feed them? And somebody said, we've just got a, a, a little sack lunch. And Jesus said, give it here. And he multiplied five, right, five fishes and two loaves in order. I might have the numbers backwards, but you got the idea. To feed all of those people. Why? It wasn't a show. It wasn't a display. I'm telling you, sometimes I think even among us, if we're not careful, the purpose of a miracle becomes distorted. Jesus doesn't do miracles to put them on display. It's about a lost world. And so... One more verse of scripture, John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I'm going to talk about the first principle, I believe, of power evangelism. And that principle is, I think the first thing that happened in my life, in my new life, See, let me tell you something, folks. When you get born again, you don't add Jesus to your life. You don't, you hear me close. We're living in a world where a lot of folks think they're just adding Jesus to their life. You don't add Jesus to your life. You die and Jesus lives in you. You must die and Jesus will live in you and through you. You have to learn. You, you, you must somehow learn to hear his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Power evangelism. Number one principle. You've got to be able to hear the voice of God. You, 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 you must. He will guide you with his voice. I tell the story of my conversion. My life was a mess. But Jesus came and he spoke to me. Undoubtedly sent by the prayers of my mother. Hello? Prayer is powerful. I, I tell that story. There's another side of it. The same night that I was on the other side of the world... And Jesus came in and spoke to me on the other side of the world the same night. My father, who hadn't been to church in years, came home from work and said to my mother, I'm going to go to church with you tonight. And though we were thousands of miles apart, the same night we went into the presence of God and God changed our family forever. One... Listen, just one, my mother had prayed for years, 18 years, but she just wouldn't quit. And about the time 
Some, but oh, there was all kinds of folks, even well-meaning folks in church who told her, you might as well give up. I had family members who told my mother that, you know, I'm too far gone. You might as well, it ain't going to happen. But my mother, I knew every morning at 5.30, she made her way out to the living room and she knelt by the couch and she prayed for me and my father every morning at 5.30. I'm just the way I see it. I put it in words, picture words. I believe that finally one morning my mother made her way to that place of prayer and the God in heaven heard one more prayer ascending from my mother and he said to the angelic host you go down there and bind those spirits I've been hearing this lady's prayer for 18 years and our lives our lives were changed but maybe the most significant thing that to me that happened that night was I learned to recognize the voice of Jesus. And my first six months, I didn't have a pastor. I had the Holy Ghost. I had a Bible. And I was immediately filled with an intense hunger for the Bible. And though my life had become, uh, you know, it was affected by my past. But I'm going to tell you, whatever your issue is, whatever your, your, your issue is, the power is in the Word to deliver you. The power is in the Word to deliver you. Say, well, I have anger issues. Let me tell you about the power of the Word. The power of the Word will deliver you from your anger issue. You say, but I got a tobacco habit, an unclean spirit. Let me tell you what the Word can do. The Word can deliver you from the tobacco habit. He can deliver you from the unclean spirit. He can deliver you from the drug addiction. He can deliver you from alcoholism. He can deliver you from a perverted mind. But it was, it, it's not enough to read one verse or a chapter. It's got to be a hunger that consumes you for the word of God. And I found myself in that time, I couldn't get, I couldn't get enough. I had, I was in the military, some of my previous friends were, they didn't like what had happened in my life. Had some of them that even threatened to take my life because of the change in my life. And they would find me constantly. Every time we had the ability to have a few minute break, I had my Bible and I couldn't get enough of reading my Bible. And in six months time, Jesus literally changed the way I thought he, gave, he took the unclean mind, gave me a clean mind. Took, changed my heart, took my old filthy heart and gave me a clean heart. He took my desires that I used, the things I used to think I would never love. I found, I found myself loving. I love to pray. I love to read my Bible. I love to worship. And when I got, I could hardly wait. I thought going to church with my mother was going to be going to heaven. 
I could hardly wait to get back home so I could go to church. I love church. It's been 45 years. I still love church. I love church. Are there problems? Oh, yeah, there's always problems. But you got to fight your way through the problems. Are there failures? There's always failures. But I'm telling you, in the presence of the king is everything we need. Yes. Reading his word was food for my famished soul. He would talk to me from his word. He talked to me about my life. He talked to me about the way I should live. He gave me, I said this earlier, I didn't just add Jesus to my life. He gave me a new life. He gave, you know, they used to sing a song. I mean, I remember years ago, you, you, you wouldn't have heard it, but it said, I gave him my old tattered garment. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm telling you, that's what we offer people at the altar. That's what we offer people in communion with Jesus. Just bring that old life and lay it down at the altar. And there is a promise of Jesus that if we'll lay our old life down, he'll give us a new life. Not a renovated life, a new life. Not a band-aid, not, not a fix. A new life. In that six months, that first six months, the word began to, it it did something inside of me. And I want to make a statement. Listen, this is a principle now. Number one, you got to believe, you got to be able to hear the voice of Jesus. If you want to be power evangelism, you're going to have to stay in a place of prayer. You're going to have to read the word until you can recognize the voice of Jesus. He will talk with you about people. He will tell you people to talk to. He will even tell you what to say to people. Hello. Am I in the right place? I'm telling you. This isn't, you don't go win souls on your own. You don't, you, you, you will not be effective with just your own intellectualism. And even if you are a charismatic person, you can win people to you and never win them to Jesus. The second thing is this. The second principle is you've got to get the revelation that the life is in the word. That's actually found in the first chapter of John. I think it's the fourth verse. The life is in the word. The life is in the word. So if we'll do like it says in Corinthians, so abundantly. It's amaz- it never ceases to amaze me how some folks expect to have a big harvest. And they never sow any seed. Well, maybe a little seed. I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. I'm just telling you. I want to give, I want God to give us a revelation. You can sow seed by telling people Jesus loves you. You can sow seed with a kind act and a kind word. You can sow seed. Oh, yes, but notice it's not just in you speaking the word. It's in you living the word. The life is in the word. One day when I was in that six-month time, 
I read this verse found in Isaiah 55, 11. It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Now, that's not the words of Jerry Staten. That's not the words of some preacher. That's the word right out of Isaiah. His word will not return void. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a certain degree. You don't have to be extra intelligent. You don't have to be a great personality. You just must have faith in the word of God. I'm going to stay there a little bit. Because what can change a family? The word of God. What can change, uh, what can deliver people? What can cause a church to come alive that maybe has gone through a great struggle? The word of God. There's life in the word. What can restore your relationship with Jesus Christ after you've gone through a great trial and a great struggle and you feel wore out and feel like you cannot go on? The word of God can bring new life to your spirit. The life is in the word. So I, I wrote my girlfriend who I had met just before I went back overseas. And uh, we both were on this journey. It's so easy to look back and see how God was working when you didn't know he was working. I thought one day I found God. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand, but I'm telling you what I realized is God found me. You, you understand, God was never lost. Hello? <laughs> I was the one that was lost. But the shepherd, he went out to look for that sheep. And I don't know about anybody else, but I am so thankful that Jesus came and found me. I don't know how everybody else feels. I don't come to church just because we got a new song or we got some new program. I come because the best thing that ever happened to me was and is Jesus Christ. He's still alive today. So, Linda, often people see me and hear me and know very little about my wife. My wife was a good Baptist girl, great character. She really, she was a Christian before she became a Christian. It's truth. She had great morals, great character. If she had known what I was and who I was, she would never have gone out with me the first time. It was a blind date. That's the truth. It was. And when I went, I called to tell her I wasn't coming. And I heard her voice and said, oh, I got to go check this out. And so when I went, I said, what would you like to do? She said, I would like to go to a Bible study. I was far away from God. I said, Bible study? I don't want to go to no Bible study. But this girl said Bible study. So I said, okay. Now I'm telling you, I don't know where my mother got this, but I remember as a child, my mother telling me, son, before Jesus comes back, there's going to be an incredible revival. You're going to see people saved that you never even believed could get saved. 
And so when I went with Linda to this Bible study, we went to this big old church in Phoenix. That's where she lived in Phoenix. We went around the back and down these steps into this basement. And all of these hippies were there. And I was, oh, my God, what are we doing here? <laughs> I could smell pot outside. And I thought, okay. But Linda said, no, no, down here. And we went in. And I never seen anything like it. These people all had Bibles. And they would open their Bibles. And they would read the Bible. And they was praying. And I, it scared me. I said, I think, Mom, this must be what Mom's talking about. Jesus must be about ready to come. If these people... <laughs> It scared me. It started, I look back now and I know, it started something inside of me. That there are people on the journey that don't look like us. There are people out there today. They go to all kinds of churches, but they are on a journey. They are really, truly seeking for Jesus Christ. That's why you got to get ready. You hear me? You got to get ready, brother, sister, God is going to put you in their path. You know, sometimes we get shocked when he does that. Like, wow, man, you believe he did that? When really that's what he said he was going to do in his word. He said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit and you're going to be witnesses. Unto me, you're going to be, I'm going to, no, not, you're just going to, not going to learn how to sing a new song in church. Help me, Jesus. I tell you, I'm praying. I know I'm talking to a great crowd here. And trust me, you all have been very kind and good to us. But somehow, Antioch, Church of Jesus Christ, you got to get ready. You got to get ready. They are going to come. They stumble in darkness, not knowing where to go. And we walk by them. But I'm telling you, God is, I believe he's already speaking. But there are people here that Jesus Christ wants to tune your spiritual ear to his voice. So he can say to you, that one right there, that one right there. You don't have, somebody said, well, I don't know. I, I feel uh, fearful. You got to get over. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Somebody say, we could do this. You, you know, you like, we could do it. Really? You know what I mean? You got to say it with some passion. It's kind of like telling the story of the cross in my Bible study yesterday to a, a group of Russians. I felt the Holy Ghost come on me. I got on my knees and began to tell them how Jesus died for their sins. I look around the room, five of them, tears running down their face. And you cannot tell this like it's just another story. I'm convinced that Jesus has brought the world to us. For a spiritual reason. 
that they are hungry. Now, I'm not telling you that by just an emotion. I'm watching it happen. I'm watching it happen. We have a group now of about 30 Buddhists that we have baptized in Jesus' name. Don't tell me they don't want Jesus. The devil has lied to you. We have a Muslim man who just started coming. And he told that little Sri Lankan girl that's teaching him a Bible study now. That girl used to be a Buddhist. Now she's teaching Bible studies. And she, that, she asked that, Buddha, that uh, Muslim man, why, why are you here? He said, something is missing in me. I have prayed five times a day all of my life, but something inside is missing. We know what that something is. They are coming. Every tribe, every tongue. They are coming. My question is, are we ready? Are we ready? You know, when they come in and they don't act like us, they don't know church culture. You know, they don't know. You know, we have to teach them there's power in the blood. I mean, the truth, but also the song. You know? They don't know there's power in the blood. They say, oh, I like that new song. Which one? The power in the blood. You know, am I wrong? Doesn't that do something to you? I mean, I think if you got Jesus on the inside, it does something to us. It moves something inside of us. So... All those years ago, when I was gone, I went back over. I was still a mess. Linda would send me scriptures. I didn't know. Like, I thought she had a secret message in there telling me she loved me. <laughs> Romans 3.23. For all of sin. I thought she said, I love you. And I'm looking, man, that don't sound like no love to me. <laughs> and then, like, the next mail call. Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, that was me. That was me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And then Romans six twenty three, And time is ticking. I'm still a mess. And then Jesus comes. Sent by my mother prepared by those scriptures I ran back to the base and locked myself in the room with those bombs and I got on my knees that night and I prayed I didn't know how to pray I probably remember my mother praying and that's what she prayed you know she got on her knees and so I got on my knees and I cried out and this voice that I heard that called me began to talk to me told me every sin I began to confess my sins all night long, somewhere before the sun come up, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. I didn't even, man, I was walking. I'm telling you, listen, in that one experience, he changed everything about me. He changed my desires. He changed my dreams. He changed my plans. He took my old life and said, I'm going to give you a new one. I know, I tell that, many of you heard me tell it before, I tell it over and over. 
It's my story. But after that happened, and I read this verse of scripture that his word wouldn't return void, I wrote Linda a letter. We have all those letters. <laughs> and she says, you know, I kind of like the other ones where you would say, I love you, honey. I love you, Linda. She said, after Jesus came in, it was all about Jesus. All I did was write home about Jesus. I said, Linda, I read this verse. It said his word wouldn't return void. So I want you to take all the money we've been saving. And I want you to go buy Bibles. I didn't know. I was real simple. I didn't know it was going to take something else. So she sent me cases of Bibles. And everywhere I went, I, was, I had men were crying. Staten, you think I could have one of those Bibles? Oh, I, I know there's so much more, folks. But the simplistic truth of it is, his word will not return void. He was working, even though I was simple and didn't understand everything that was needed. He said, if you'll just give him the word, I can do the work. I tell the story. Sometimes I even think people probably, you know, because I'm just telling you, that first night after I got that, like that night, early in the morning, I'm like walking on clouds. Anybody remember that? Son, I got so much Holy Ghost in me. Right? I saw this sign. How many of you know new converts think Jesus is doing everything in their life? Hello? Now, I'm not trying to, like, I'm telling you. You remember when you first started? I saw this sign. It said, prayer meeting. 6.30 tonight in the church. I said, look at that. Look what Jesus has done. He's organized a prayer meeting just for me. Now, I didn't know that everybody didn't speak in tongues. I didn't know there was three gods, one God, two gods. I didn't, all I knew was there was a God in the Bible. That's all I knew. <laughs> I got to that prayer meeting early. That's something else about new converts. Hello. They get there early. They're excited. I got there early. I went, the door was unlocked. I went in. Nobody was there. I went over and knelt on the front row of that chapel. And boom, I was gone again in the Holy Ghost. Speaking with tongues. About an hour later, I came to. Hello, anybody ever had a Holy Ghost spell? If some of you haven't, you haven't even heard that before, I want to tell you about it. It's incredible to get lost in the Spirit and let God clean your heart out and change your thinking and give you visions and dreams how he can save the world. Hello? When Jesus is talking to you, he is not talking, oh, it's almost over. Everybody's going to die and go to hell. Jesus is not talking. He's saying, come on, come on, body. Come on, church. Rise up, oh, church. We can do this. We can reach our world. When I come to, the room was filled with men. Men were sitting there looking at me. I didn't know there was anything strange. 
Finally, one of them said to me, he said, you was talking in tongues. I thought everybody, you was in church. I figured that's what everybody did in church. I promise you, I am not making this up. I said, oh, my God, I sure did. And they said, one of, that guy said to me, well, can you do what it says in the Bible? I said, well, I guess so. I got the Holy Ghost now. I said, what's it say? They took me over to Acts 19. I know it now. And said, Paul laid hands on them and they received. Can you do that? I said, I could do that. I didn't know I couldn't. You hear me? I didn't know I couldn't. I had Jesus on the inside. So I said, let me ask Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, it's like less than 24 hours. I said, Jesus, what do I do? He said, you just tell everyone who wants this, come up here. So I said, hey, Jesus said, you want this, come up here. Twelve of those men stood up. I knew some of those men, bad men, evil, all kinds of stuff, right? But here they are. They come and they said, uh, what do we do now? I said, let me ask Jesus. And, and Jesus said, they got to repent. They got to ask forgiveness of their sins. I, I probably didn't use the word repent. I said, well, you got to tell Jesus all your sins. And I never thought you could do the, the blanket thing, like forgive me of all my sins. I thought you had to tell them all. So I told him, you got to tell them all. You got to name them. So you know they're over there. Like they're all serious. And they're like, forgive me for adultery. Forgive me for murder. Forgive me, right? And, and, you know, there's one guy who, he, he's still going. <laughs> Finally, we stopped and they said, what do we, I said, let me ask Jesus. Jesus told me this. He said, you walk in front of them. And when I touch you, you touch them. Now, I don't know. That's real simple altar work and instruction. So I started walking in front of them. Now, you got to understand, right? I'm a new convert. Like 12 hours. <laughs> but I'm telling you, what I'm telling you has never, has never left me. You can do this. Not because of you, but because of him. Lord, have mercy. So, I walked down that road. And I just said, all right, Jesus. And all of a sudden, Ugh! and I reach out and touch it. He starts speaking in tongues. All 12 of those men received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I just thought that was normal. I just thought that's the way it's supposed to be. So after this experience, I'm like, yeah, we could do this. My Lord, we're going to save the whole world. You know, I want to say that again. I know, I know time has passed 45 years. But something inside of me this morning, Bishop, this morning, I was weeping because I felt like Jesus was saying, we could still do this. We could still do this. You gotta be able, how many of you love the voice of Jesus? You know, you know what I like? Look, first of all, I think folks sit among us 
everywhere I go, I think folks sit among us and they just raise their hands and say, yeah, because everybody else is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. And inside they're going, man, I don't even have a clue what that's about. Now, I'm not trying to be critical when I say that. I'm saying we need this wave of the Spirit. We need God to speak into our hearts. We all need to once again believe that the most valuable thing in our life is to hear the voice of the one who gave his life for us. Hear his voice. Have faith in his word. You know, when we went to D.C., there's a lot of folks who thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. I mean, I just knew I would do what I've always done since that first time. Is that I would follow the voice of the shepherd. And I would walk into that city and I don't care how big and how bad the devil is, Jesus is bigger and better. I I don't care what fortresses of hell. I heard, I had preachers tell me, What are you doing, man? I went to stay there one night and had to leave. I never looked at it that way. I'm just telling you that I'm not some hero. I'm just a man that Jesus saved. That's all. But he put something inside of me from his word that said, we have a mission. I was at the Pentagon the other day with Pastor Garza. And I saw this, I can't remember it all, but I saw this thing that, what do they call that? About uh, the it, the warriors' uh, creed, and the first one is that he will never forget his mission. Hello, I'm gonna let that sink in. I said, well, you know what? Somebody offended me. Get over it. I I didn't have some position. What do you mean you didn't have some position? You got one from the king of kings. You received a commission the day you were baptized and filled with the spirit. Our mission is reach the world. I expect like everybody to be on your feet shouting. Our mission. We have a mission. We're not just anybody. We're not just tongue talkers. We are. We are. But we're not just apostolics who come to church and we have rah-rah meetings. This ain't some, uh, you know, what they call that when I was in high school? They called it, they had a name for that, where people went and got rah-rahed up for the ball game. Pep rally. This ain't no pep rally. This is a need for revelation. He called me. He called me. I heard his voice. I was sitting right there and he called me. I was over there and he called me. (sighs) Somehow there is a connection that has to happen and that's belief. You got to believe it. You know, people who believe it, like if I, you know, you know, I, I don't need an illustration, surely. When you believe it, it changes like how you act. Like if you believe as Holy Spirit's like right out there in the atmosphere, you don't go.
<gasps> Hello? It's right there. Oh, my God. Does anybody remember being a new convert? They used to sing a song. Jesus is here right now. Reach out and touch him. Jesus is here right now. Right? Help you receive. Right? Jesus is standing near. Waiting each heart to cheer. Jesus is here right now. What? Only believe. I know it's Thursday night. And I know I said I was going to let you out early and I changed my mind. Oh, yes, I'm sure they are. But, but, you know, don't you want your life to be productive? You know what I mean? I don't want to get to the end, Bishop. And say, Lord Jesus, I wasted so much time. I don't want to meet Jesus and say, I could have done so much more. Not long ago, I prayed, I know, Lord. I looked in the mirror. I'm not getting younger. I said, but I don't care. I want my last years to be more effective than all the years before. I want to do more with my last years than I've ever done. I want to see a greater harvest than I've ever seen. I want to rise up out of my lethargy and complacency. I don't care what anybody else is doing. You got to believe. The Bible, the Holy Ghost. We talk about it, right? It's powerful, right? I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm telling you how powerful is it? Make you wave your hand. And please don't stop waving your hand just because I'm getting on your case a little bit. But I'm telling you, God wants to empower us. You know what I mean? I don't mean just like, woo, I got power. You know what I mean? We don't need bragging rights. Hello, we don't need bragging rights. We need something that ignites us. The passion of the Christ living within us that moves us out. And you say, well, I, I can't. Yes, you can. Let me tell you something. We had one man. I, I, I know you've heard the story, but we had one Spanish man that in that first year who got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. And in one year's time, he alone brought 50 people to Jesus Christ. You never know who you're going to win and what they're going to accomplish in the kingdom. You might reach the next Apostle Paul. To the weak, I became as weak. I I, I thought about this verse. Kind of really trying to wrap it up now. I think it's not about bragging to people when I say that about what we have become in Jesus. But it really is about I got to relate with you. I got to connect with you. I have a Chinese guy that I've been working with now. I think I've told the story everywhere I've ever been. I've been working with him four years now. And last Thursday night in the Bible study, I'm like, Lord, I am desperate. This guy is like the hardest 
head I've ever met. I mean, look, I've taught Bible studies to 22 Catholics, taught them two years, baptized all 22 of them in the name of Jesus. I, have, I, have, I taught one uh, the Bolivian man, he and his family, for five years and baptized him and his wife and two daughters. But this Chinese guy, he told me, he said, I've been trying to take you out. He said, but you're like King Kong. I said, Mike, I just want to tell you something tonight. This was last Thursday night. I said, Mike, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. He, he didn't know what to do with it. I mean, I've said it before, but this time it was something that happened in him. He's, he said, he, he can't love me. I am a bad man. I have hurt many people. Oh. Tears began to run down my face. And I said, Mike, I'm so glad to tell you that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us to show us he loves us. He jumped up. He didn't know what to do. He jumped up and walked in the other room. He said, okay, okay. If if it's really Jesus, I'm going to say right now, Jesus, if you're real, come to me. I, st- I jumped up. I started shouting. I started speaking in tongues. The Bible study group is there and they're all watching this happen. And I said, Mike, Jesus just heard your prayer. Jesus will come to you. I don't know when. It may be in a dream. It may be in a vision. It may be. It can be anywhere. But I promise you, Jesus heard the cry of a sinner who said, Jesus, if you're real, come to me. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Why don't you stand with me? I want to say this. Look, I thought about tonight. This is a great church. There have been great soul winners here. I mean, Bishop and Sister Wright. But I really come tonight to make an appeal to every one of you. I drove downtown D.C. today. I went in a coffee shop. I looked around, man, I thought I was back in the 60s. All these people, you know. Strange looking. Truth. And something inside of me said, Jesus loves them, everyone. And so I come to make an appeal to you. And I don't want it to sound like, I believe you are, I'm obviously Antioch is growing. Three Antiochs now. My But I make an appeal, whatever, whatever culture you are, whatever background, whether you're a new convert or a veteran. You notice I didn't say old. But you're willing to let God remind you of your mission. I want to win a lost soul. Just if all of us just, I I don't, like I want more than one. Brother Boyer, I want many. 
I don't want them. I don't want people to say things. I want them because I truly believe Jesus is about to come. I truly believe that without new birth and without salvation, they will be lost. But I come tonight and say to the young and the old, to every one of us from every walk of life, let's don't let differences get cause us to become paralyzed. Let's don't let the fact that we just come to church paralyze us from our mission. I gotta win the lost. So if you'll bow your heads, I wanna pray. And I'm gonna turn this back to the bishop. But I wanna pray. This is a great church. Lord Jesus, I pray that a special anointing will come upon the folks that are here tonight that you ordained to be here. You chose us for this night. I believe that, Father. You ordained the meeting, this meeting tonight. I ask you now, let a special anointing and awakening come upon every heart, every mind, every soul. A belief, a belief that we have been chosen for this hour, for this time, just before the coming of the Lord to reach into a lost world and pull souls out of the flames, to pull souls out of the fire before they're lost. I ask you tonight, Jesus, let a spirit of evangelism, power evangelism, that the world that I came out of, I might reach back into and pull someone out in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Italonobokora tatabahaya. Tie calabarota la ratatabahaya. Tie kie calarota la ratatie calarota tabababaka. Hallelujah. Ia bababakahaya. Ye kalarota tahaya Halalorobokura tata bababakahai Ye kalabahaya tabahasi In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Hallelujah 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 Praise God Praise God. Praise God. Jesus said, I've spoken these things unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's two different joys. There's the Lord's joy that I should have because I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there's your joy, my joy. And 
I don't have the time and not going to pre preach more message we've heard from God tonight. But it wouldn't take but a, a short amount of time to prove to you biblically that my joy, your joy, is the joy of the soul winner. I wonder, I, I'm not, I have no desire to embarrass anybody here tonight. But I, I wonder if there's people here who have never personally won a soul. You, you, don't, you don't know what's missing in your walk with God. You don't know what's missing in your life. You may, have, you may come to church and experience the joy of the Lord, but there's something missing, and you know there's something missing. It's your joy. For some, maybe you've won a soul, but it's been a really long time. Jesus said that he wanted our joy to be full. Full. Well, that, that's for the preacher to do. That's, no, no. There are people that will listen to you that will never listen to me. There are people that will listen to you that will never listen to Pastor David Wright. Never. Some that will listen to you that never listen to Pastor Jerry or Bishop Jerry State. Not, it's, it's just not going to be that case. You're the key to them. It's what's missing. If there was some way I could convince you that's what's missing. And you would say between you and God this night, Lord, whatever it takes, do whatever you have to do to me, in me, and then through me. That you might, you might touch a soul through me. That I might be an instrument of you to see somebody saved. Lord, whatever it takes, do that through me. Does anybody want to pray that prayer? I want you to, if, if you're humble enough and desperate enough, I just want you to come this way. Whether you want a soul before or not, maybe it's been a while. But here I am, Lord. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I want your joy to be full in me, Jesus. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes, use me, Lord. Whatever it takes. I want to be full of your joy, Jesus. I want to be full of your joy, Jesus. I want you to touch lives through me, Father. Lord, let a, let a hunger... Let a desperation come upon us right now. That we will refuse to be unfruitful. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, by your grace, I refuse to be unfruitful. By your grace. I refuse to be unfruitful. You said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, Father. You said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, Father. I refuse to be unfruitful.
in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost do something in you right now that will stir your spirit, that will stir your heart. A resolve that says, I refuse to be unfruitful. I refuse to be unfruitful. Come on. The greatest church service in the world can't do for you what winning one soul will do. Winning one soul will change your life. Winning one soul will change your relationship with God. Winning one soul will bring, bring a new focus and a new purpose to your life like you've never had before. Just one soul. Because if the Lord uses you to win one, you're going to be thankful, but you're not going to be satisfied. Give me another soul, Lord. Then give me another soul, Lord. Then give me another soul, Lord. Give me another soul, Lord. This isn't for a select few. God is no respecter of persons. The Lord wants to use you. The Lord wants your joy to be full. He wants your joy to be full. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Itahala rotatahaya. Yekiekaya la ratatahaya. In the name of Jesus. Give me fruit, Father. Samuel's mother, Hannah, prayed, Give me children, lest I die. Father, give me fruit, lest I die spiritually, Father. Give me fruit, lest I die. Give me fruit, lest I die. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Let's give him thanks together. Let's give him thanks together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord heard your prayer. Be expected the answer. Jesus' name, God bless you. See you Sunday morning. Brother Stewart, can I see you a minute? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.